0: 3, and I was thinking as we're singing that song, I was in a hurry this morning, I had a a nutty bar for breakfast because Sparks has some in the card writing room down here, so my sermon may be short so that we can get the spaghetti. And all God's children said, (laughs) I'm thinking about this morning while I'm singing that song as we're um, Doing this meal back here today and having the cake auction, and I was thinking about somewhere right now um, there are three different churches in Nicaragua. That one where we started uh, working with a church there, and a man named Pastor Felix, and through the efforts and through the work and through the power of the Holy Spirit, that church uh, planted two new churches one on the side of a volcano the other in a very uh, urban area where people are just right on top of each other. i was been thinking this past week as I was watching a a volcano erupt in Hawaii on the main island, I was kind of thinking about, I hope that doesn't happen while I'm preaching there or or there on the side of that volcano. I don't want to see an active volcano, but just thinking about those people going to worship this morning. And being there in worship. And and some of them worship. One group worshiping outdoors. One group worshiping in a very cramped environment. The other worshiping in an open air church. But they're worshiping Jesus. And they're giving praise to Jesus. And they're they're as poor as you can imagine. But they are as happy as they can be. And a great portion of all three of those churches service this morning we'll be praying for us here um, in our church and what we will be doing here today to raise money to go and to be a part of them. We learn just as much from them and they minister just as much to us as we do. It, it's, it's such a great ministry and such a great partnership. Have you set a goal lately? Has anyone set a goal lately? Past New Year's, past New Year's Day, have you set a goal? Somewhere last year, I realized that I had gotten up to 230 pounds, and I realized that my knees and my ankles and my hips were beginning to get really upset with me about this extra weight that I was carrying. So I set a goal there when I was 230 pounds. I set a goal that by a certain date, I would be 210 pounds. Well, I went at it. And I started getting on the treadmill every day and I started eating different things and I started doing things differently than what I had been doing before. And I started to begin I began to see weight begin to come off. And I began to see um, I began to be able to wear clothes that I hadn't worn in a long time. And I was thinking, man, I'm gonna have to buy a whole new wardrobe. This is exciting. Um, but I I got there and I, I reached that goal of two hundred and ten I even got to 206.2 at one point. And I was so I was so just pumped about hitting that goal that I ate a pork chop. And it's been downhill ever since. This morning I weighed and that 206 now in the last couple of months has become 214.4. So after the cake auction, I'm going back to doing some dieting and doing some things different because I want to, I, I hit that goal. It felt good to hit that goal. It felt good to accomplish something. So my new goal now is to lose those 10 pounds by Father's Day. That's uh, January the 17th, so I got a little bit over a month to lose those 10 pounds. June 17th. Yeah, I was giving myself a little bit of extra time there, wasn't I? I'm glad the choir is paying attention to my sermon but I I like to have goals I like to have goals I sat down the last hour of Thursday Thursday is my last day of work of the week and I sat down on Thursday and for the last hour of the day Thursday I sat and wrote down my goals for this week beginning tomorrow morning And some of your names are on some of those goals. I'll be having conversations with some of you about accomplishing some of those goals. Now, what will my prize be? Will there be a prize if I accomplish all those goals? Probably not. It's a a list of about 20 different things. I probably won't get to all 20 of them this week. But the prize that I have is knowing that this weekend I'll do a wedding and at the end of that wedding, they're, they're having the wedding catered by the varsity. So that's my prize for this week. Because I get, to, I get to, go, to do a wedding where they, they now that's, that's, that's good stuff right there. That, that's the best I've heard of. Uh, so I'm going to have a, uh, so at the end of the week, I'm gonna have, on Saturday night, I'm going to have a chili dog and some onion rings. And I'm going to look back and say, this is my prize for accomplishing my goals this week. And then I'm going to go back on that diet. In Philippians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul is inspired by the Holy Spirit to write about his greatest goal in life. Now think about this, who the Apostle Paul is. The Apostle Paul is a great missionary. He's a great evangelist. He's a great church planner. He's a tent maker. But his greatest goal in life is found in Philippians 3, 10 and 11, a little bit before the verses we're going to read this morning. The Apostle Paul says this about his life. He says that I may know him, talking about Jesus, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. That doesn't sound like a goal that most people would set for their lives. They, his goal is to share in the power of Jesus' resurrection and to share in the sufferings of Jesus so that I can become like him in his death. But the Apostle Paul has a wonderful story to tell and he's writing to this church that he loves so much here in Philippi. And so he's encouraging them And how they live. And he's giving them some really good advice here. In in verse number 13 and 14. These are verses for this morning. It says. Brothers I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do. Forgetting what lies behind. And straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God. In Christ Jesus. Now, he makes a disclaimer here at the beginning of this verse as he says this to the church there. He says, I have not attained this, and I'm not perfect, but I am striving to be. He uses these words. He says, I am forgetting what lies behind. I'm forgetting what lies behind. Do you have a long memory? Do you have a long memory about what things that have happened in the past For some people, forgetting will mean that they have to forgive. There will be some forgiving to be able to forget. Paul says, I I am forgetting all those things that are behind me. The great pitcher of the 1940s and 50s, Satchel Paige, said this. He said, don't look back. Something might be gaining on you. That's really good advice right there. Um, Now, do you have... Behind you, do you have any regrets? I I, I like to see, and and I believe I I, I I never heard anybody else say this. I wrote it down. Well, a man is only as old as his regrets. A man is only as old as his regrets. Um, do you have any regrets about what's happened in the past? I was talking to a friend of mine one morning this week. I was sitting and talking to him and we were talking about mistakes that we had made in the past financially. Some things that we had done wrong in the past financially that really uh, we look back on and wonder why, why we did those things. In 1985, I was 19 years old. Don't start doing math. But in 1985, I was 19 years old and I, I had a full-time job with Winn-Dixie grocery stores. Now. That was a big deal when I was 19 years old, to have a full-time job with Winn-Dixie Grocery Stores. It was a really good uh, company to work for at that time. And I was 19. I was living at home. I didn't have any bills. I had three meals a day, laundry provided. I didn't have to spend any money on anything. Happy Mother's Day next week, Mom. Um, But I had money. I just all, I, I, I had money. And I was bragging one day, there at work, I was bragging to some guys that I had $2,000 at home in cash, and I was trying to figure out what I was going to do with that $2,000. Well, I worked with a man that many of you will know. He's uh, lived here in Piedmont all his life. His name was Jack Holder. And, and Jack was a city councilman here, and Jack also worked for Win dixie He'd worked for Win dixie uh, for about 30 years at this time. He was a VIP in the company. He worked at the store. But he was actually a VIP with the company of Winn Dixie. So Jack had heard me brag about that $2,000 that I had. So when everybody else was gone, he pulled me to the side. He said, Ingram, let me talk to you for just a minute. And back then, the Anderson Star every day had the financial section where they had the uh, stock market report, they had all the stocks listed, all the Dow Jones and all that stuff. And so Jack set me down that day. And he taught me about price-to-earnings ratio, and he taught me a, a couple of other things, and he said, Ingram, here's what I want to tell you. He said, if you'll take that $2,000, and you'll, let, you'll go with me to Anniston to see a broker, he said, I want you to take that $2,000, and I want you to buy Walmart stock, and I want you to forget that you bought it and just walk away from it and keep it until you get older. And he said, I promise you someday you'll be wealthy because you did. So I got to thinking about it. And I was thinking about, you know, that $2,000 someday becoming a lot more money. And I got all inspired by it. And I got to thinking about how one day I was going to be wealthy. This $2,000 was going to become a whole lot of money. And I went home and I began to think about it for a couple days. And I took that $2,000. And I called a guy, and I had him to come install a satellite dish at the house for $2,000. And you remember those old satellite dishes, those that covered up the host? Not not these little satellite dishes they have today, but I'm talking about those big white satellite dishes. And I I took that $2,000, and I bought that satellite dish, and I was the envy of all my friends. I could watch any basketball game, any baseball game, anything that was on in, in the world, I could watch it. And I took that $2,000, and I would sit there in front of my TV, and I would just flip all day. And now I look back at that 19-year-old boy, and I'd like to go back, and I'd like to shake him real hard and say, You idiot. I did some research this week after I talked to my friend. And I know this. If you had put $3,000 in Walmart stock in 1980, and you had not touched it until Sam Walton died in 2006, that $3,000 would have become $170,000. Now, I figure my $2,000 in 1985, this being 2018, I figure my $2,000 right now would probably be about $200,000. Oh, what a regret. But here's what, I'm going to try not to look behind me anymore and think about that. And if I ever have $2,000 again, I'm not going to tell a soul. But here's what Paul's saying. Paul is saying this, I am determined not to be hindered by my past. I'm determined that those things that are behind me, I'm going to forget everything behind me, and I'm going to keep moving ahead. Paul Paul had some regrets about his life. Paul regretted some of the things of his past. He, before, in verses 4 and 5, he says this, He had a confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh, also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee. Paul is saying here, I had so much confidence in the law. I had so much confidence in my flesh. I had so much confidence in me being able to keep the law and to do all the things that it meant to be a Jew. And and I, I had so much confidence in that, and I regret that my confidence wasn't in Christ. He regretted that he hated Jesus Christ at one point in his life. He regretted the persecution of the church. Look in verse number 6, he goes on to say that as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameness. In Acts, 7, in Acts chapter 7, we see there at the stoning of Stephen, the first martyr that we see in Scripture. When the stoning of Stephen was over, they laid those people who were there, they laid, their garments, they laid their coats down at the feet of a man named Saul, a persecutor of the church, who would later in chapter 9 be headed down a road to Damascus, going to stop the church, going to persecute the church, But he would meet Jesus Christ on the way. Jesus would strike him down, strike him blind. And he would tell him that he had work for him to do. And he would change his name from Saul to Paul. So he had a lot of things in his past that he regretted. But there were some things in his past that might have made him a little bit proud. He had a lot of accomplishments in the ministry. He led a lot of people to the Lord. He had taught a lot of people about faith in in Jesus Christ. I know just a few weeks ago, we watched the funeral of the great 20th century evangelist, Billy Graham, who made it to 99 years. And there at his funeral, all these accolades were made about Billy Graham. And all these people said all these great things about Billy Graham. But the thing that they emphasized more than anything else is that Billy Graham had one simple message all of his life, and that was the cross of Jesus Christ and the forgiveness of sins through that cross of Calvary. That was all. That was what Billy Graham preached. He preached it simply. He preached it boldly, and it was it was because of that that he had the accomplishments in ministry. Paul had founded many churches. This church that he's writing to in Philippi, he had he had uh, planted this church. Churches in Colossae. Galatia, all around uh, the Mediterranean, there were churches that he was responsible for. I think about our church, and as I said just a minute ago, we're responsible for two churches being planted there in Nicaragua. One in, uh, on the side of a volcano this morning where they're meeting outdoors. It's the beginning of the rainy season, but they're meeting there. And then another one uh, where they're crammed in a small building But they're singing praises to Jesus. Paul could have been proud of the fact that he suffered greatly as a missionary. He talks in Corinthians in the the letter that he writes to the church at Corinth. He talks about being shipwrecked. He talks about being beaten. He talks about being left for dead, being stoned and left for dead. He suffered greatly as as a missionary. We talk about going on mission trips. But the worst thing I've ever suffered on a mission trip was running through an airport in Miami trying to make a connecting flight and um, being out of breath when I got there and, and them yelling and screaming at me, you've got to hurry, you've got to hurry, We're gonna, they're, they're going to leave you. And then when I got finally got set down on the plane, we sat there for an hour and a half because of lightning. And I thought, I didn't have to run. That's the greatest suffering that, that some, some will do. But... Paul could have had this attitude. he could have felt like he had done enough. He could have at this point, sitting in a jail writing this letter to the Philippians, he could have, he could have easily have said to them, "We accomplished a lot of great things there at Philippi. We accomplished great things, and you are doing great things now and here's I'm in jail now and' I'm just going to retire. I'm just going to stop. And I'm not going to do anything else. I'm having some difficult times. Times are hard for me. I've been wrongly imprisoned. I'm, uh, things are being, uh, things being said about me. Things being done to me. All these things. So I've done my time. And I'm just going to quit. But, but not the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul is saying, I'm not looking back at what's happened. I'm looking forward because the prize is lying ahead. So don't ever say, I've done my time in this and and I'm just going to quit because God has plans for you to keep going. Because as we'll see in verse number 13 also, Paul had a passion for the prize. Paul had a passion for this prize that he was going for. He said, I am straining forward. Now passion alone won't win a prize if passion won prizes then i would be i would have been a major league baseball player of uh, i would i would have been um if, if just a passion for something would have you know uh, would have won something I, I'd have done, I i would have been a great great person but here's what I, I had some passion but here's what i didn't have when i was younger i didn't have the discipline or the integrity to match the passion we see if you have passion and you want to achieve something great, you got to have the discipline to do it. You got to have the discipline to put the hours in. You got to have discipline to put the time in, and you've got to have integrity that says I won't cut corners to get around to doing what I want to do to get to the prize. I I, I watched a documentary, um, one of the 30 for 30s on ESPN. It was about the the Celtics and the Lakers back in the 80s, back when uh, Larry Bird was playing Magic Johnson. And Larry Bird, one of the greatest basketball players who ever played the game, and it would talk about how hours before everyone else got to the, Boston, the old Boston Garden, which it was probably every day in the Boston Garden during the during the time that they were uh, talking about this, was probably about 100 degrees in there, there was no air conditioning. And hours before everyone else showed up, Larry Bird, who's one of the greatest players to ever play, was there running for, for the longest time, running and running and running and shooting before anybody else got there. He was the first one there. He was the last one to leave, and he never took shortcuts in his training. Paul is saying the same thing about his goal and being more like Jesus. He said, I'm straining forward trying to reach this goal. Now, Paul lived in the day of the, the Roman Empire, and he had watched there in the in the Mediterranean world. He would watched all around him these great races that went on, these um, races that men would be in, and he knew that as they got there to the finish line, one of the last things that they would do was that they would stretch their bodies forward. They would strain forward as far as they could, trying to be the first one to make it. Cross the line and Paul says I'm stretching forward trying to make it to be more like Jesus his final words to Timothy in Timothy chapter 4 in verses uh, 6 through 8 he says this he says I, the time of departure has come I have fought the good fight I have finished the race I have kept the faith henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me but also to all who have loved his appearing. Paul said at the end of his life that I have made it, Timothy. I have run the race well, and because of that I'm I'm headed to receive my prize from Jesus himself. He's able to say these words because he seized every opportunity he had To serve. If there was an opportunity to get somewhere and to go share the gospel, Paul was there and he was serving. He felt like he had to give his all. He had to set the example. Everywhere he went, he could have rested on his laurels of what he had done before. He could have said, I'm the Apostle Paul and here's my resume. But he didn't. He went to every place he went to. He went knowing that he had to set the example and not rest. This was no time to become indifferent. He's telling this church at Philippi, you've heard about all these things going on, the persecution of the church, and and it's no time for you to stop. He probably, they saw and he saw a lot of things that he didn't like or that he thought were hopeless, but he pressed on, Because he knew that he had to set the example with his passion. Because Paul's passion was to accomplish God's will in his life. I have preached a lot of funerals. A lot of funerals. And I have preached the funerals of some people who were very accomplished in this life. They had attained some really... Great honors in this life and had done some really important things in this life. And I was able during those funerals to talk about those people and some of the wonderful accomplishments and things that they had accomplished in their life. But at the same time, almost every one of those people, what I was able to talk about most was their greatest accomplishment in giving their life to the Lord Jesus Christ and in following God's will for their life and in living their life knowing that God's will was first no matter what else it was in their life that they accomplished doing God's will was first and then everything else in their life lined up behind it. The purpose that God had for Paul when he saved him was a very specific purpose. God saved Paul On the road to Damascus. And he led him to Ananias there. And he was baptized. And he was healed of his blindness. And God said. I have a very specific job. For this man. He is going to be the missionary. To the Gentile nation. Now if you don't know. Anyone who was not a Jew. Was a Gentile. And. The Apostle Paul was called by God to be the missionary to the entire world. And he had a skill set that no one else possessed that made him desirable for this. Paul knew the scripture better than anyone that he would encounter. But he also knew the world better than anyone he would encounter. He also knew the philosophies of the world. He also knew the way that the rest of the world thought. He also knew how the rest of the world acted and behaved. He knew outside of everything that he knew, as a Jew, he knew how every other religion and how all these people thought. Now, a lot of times in our context, we, we think, well, I know a lot, and but we there's always more for us to know. I'm 52 years old. And not long ago, I sat down and had a conversation with Darby Bryant, who is 22 years, 22, 21, 22. 21. Graduated at 21. Wow. All right. I had a conversation with Darby. And Darby was telling me about a place in Clarkston, Georgia, where in a one-mile radius there in Clarkston, There are, I think, 30, was it 30 or 60 different ethnic groups? All right, 60. 60 different ethnic groups and probably 30 different languages that are being spoken there. This is not far from the Atlanta airport. So she's telling me about this place, and she's sharing information with me about this, and she's asking me if I know any churches in that area or if I know anything about this area, and and I I don't know anything about it. But she's telling me about it, and I see her passion for this area. And there's a point in our conversation to where I look at Darby, and I tell her, Darby, you have to help me understand this. This is more than what I've ever thought about being in one place. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, Darby, at my age, kind of frightens me and now am I saying that I'm frightened that I don't think we can win that area to the gospel for the gospel of Jesus absolutely not what I'm saying is is that the world is changing at such a fast clip and the world is is becoming such a different place that my fear is is that the church as a whole in America doesn't realize it and we're not we're not keeping pace with what's happening Because it's not going to be long before we don't have to put people on airplanes and send them over uh, to other nations in the world. It's not going to be long to where we can just put people on a van and drive here in our region and go to places like what Darby has described to me that's within just a couple of hours from us where there are 60 different ethnic groups there within a one-mile radius. here's Here's what's happening. God is bringing the world to America. God is bringing the world to America. And we're here and we have been reading our scriptures and we have been we're equipped. We know our Sunday school lessons. We know how to we know the Romans road. We know faith evangelism or EE or all these things that we we think we know. And God has brought God said, "Okay, I'm going to bring the world to America. What are you going to do with the world when they get here?" And and so the apostle Paul would say that he would, he would say the world is changing and I'm going to drive myself to reach the goal of being able to understand the world and to reach it. And he says this in verse number 14. He said, I press on toward the goal. I press on toward the goal. What is the goal? What is the mark? For Paul it was to be like Christ. The, the apostle Peter would say in his writing, that Jesus was our example. He says this for this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you may follow in his steps. Paul wanted to, to do what the Apostle Peter is saying here. Paul said, I simply just want to be like Jesus. Paul would later write to the Romans and say that this is God's great purpose. In our lives, in Romans eight twenty-eight, he says this, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Paul says here that we are going to be changed by Christ and that our goal after that is to want to live to be more like Christ in our own lives it should be the goal of scripture it should be the goal for us to use these scriptures to change our life part of our discipline in our pursuit for this prize should be the daily time that we spend in scripture allowing scripture to change our lives so when will this prize be received? Paul talks about the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10 that we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. There will be a day when we'll stand there and we as his servants will be rewarded there by Jesus himself at the judgment seat of Christ. And Paul says everything I'm doing in this life, I'm trying to be more like Jesus so that when I meet him someday in eternity, he will know me well and I will be in his favor there and I will be rewarded by him personally. Jesus said in Revelation 22 and 12, Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay everyone for what he has done. So Paul has a goal here. Paul says, I know that Jesus is returning someday, and I want to be ready for that, and I want to know that when I meet him, he's going to be pleased with my life, and that I am going to have lived this life in a way that when I meet him, I'm going to be someone whom he can say, well done, good and faithful servant. And so Paul says to this church at Philippi that he loves so well, I want you to look at my example, because I am not looking behind me, but I'm looking ahead to the prize. I'm straining, I'm pressing, and I am giving you an imagery that you see all around you, and I want you to know that it doesn't just apply to the races that you see, but it applies to your spiritual life, and that you need to be straining and stretching and growing to become more like Jesus every day. So what is our goal in our own personal lives? Is our goal, uh, maybe like me, that you want to lose 10 pounds by next January on Father's Day? Or maybe your goal is that you're going to get your financial house in order. Or maybe your goal is uh, something related to your family. Or your goal is something uh, related to your um, area of, of work or service. Maybe you have goals set in those areas. But someday at the end of this life, the goal that is most important is how did we spend our time striving and stretching and straining to be more like Jesus? How did we spend our time not looking behind us? I used to get so frustrated at the end of every football practice in Pee Wee. They'd have a race. They'd, they'd run and they would divide the, the running backs and receivers in one group and they'd put the linemen, the big guys in the other group. And Bryson would always start out way ahead in the lineman group until he would do this. He'd look behind to see where everybody else was and then everybody else would go by him. And after every practice, I'd say, don't do that. Don't look behind you. Because if we spend all our time looking back this way, then things are going by us and we're not paying attention. If we're, we're dwelling on the past and the things behind us then the world is passing us by and we're not seeing the opportunities that we have to reach and to strive and to be more like Jesus. So look ahead. And this morning, that's my challenge to you. It, I guess your Monday morning moment is to, is to begin to look ahead and to strive to be more like Jesus to try to be more like Jesus, to look at these scriptures, to go back and look at Philippians, read the whole chapter of Philippians chapter 3, and read the advice that Paul gives there to these people where he says, everything important to me is ahead of me. And everything important to me is, is ordered by Jesus, and I'm going to follow it. And this morning, maybe you don't know Jesus as Savior. Maybe you, um, as the Apostle Paul, at one point in his life, he he was an enemy of Christ. The Bible says that if we are without Christ, that we're an enemy of God. And that we will someday face judgment without Christ. And that we'll spend eternity separated from Him forever in a place called hell. And none of us want to live this life, and see that be the end result. So this morning, as you will come to lead us in a time of invitation, a time of worship, and a time of praise, maybe you're here, and that's you, and you need to know how to become a follower of Jesus, to be forgiven of your sins. Would you come this morning and let me show you in Scripture how to do that? Maybe this morning you need to follow him in believer's baptism or church membership, Maybe you just need to come and pray about striving and straining and putting the past behind you. Whatever it is you need to do this morning, now is that opportunity that you have to do things with the Lord. Would you stand as we pray? Father, thank you for the day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity that we have this morning to sing praise to you and to worship you. Father I pray this morning that you would through these words of the Apostle Paul that we would look and examine our lives and see where we need to stop looking at something behind us and look ahead and move toward what you have in our future. And Father as we move and as we breathe and as we try to live this way I pray that we would do so and the power and might of the Holy Spirit. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.